we're back with the Tech Policy Grind. I'm Rima Musa, and I'm a fellow with the Internet Law and Policy Foundry, the organization where the next generation of tech law and policy professionals convene to write, think, and talk about the web, technology, and disruptive innovation. This is the Tech Policy Grind, the Foundry's podcast where we chat about what's going on in the world of tech policy. Alrighty, y'all. We are back with the Tech Policy Grind, a very, very bittersweet episode. This is our last episode of the season and also the last episode of Class 4 of the Foundry, basically running the show. So I am going to have to try not to cry during this episode because I... I'm really sappy about this all coming to an end, but it's been such a wild and fun journey. And basically in this episode, we're just going to talk about it. Uh, So if you listen to last season of the show, you might have seen or heard our final episode of season three that came out at the end of 2022, which had the three of us, me, Rima, Mary Bagdasarian, Lama Muhammad, and also Joe Catapano. Joe couldn't be here for this recording today, but you'll hear from him later on in the show uh, today. And we basically covered what happened for the Foundry in 2022 and what we did in the pod and what we were looking ahead towards in 2023. So... We're going to do kind of the same for this round, but now we have almost a full two years of being Foundry Fellows under our belt, which is crazy, but that means we have a lot to talk about. So we kind of gave intros of ourselves in that episode that we did last year, and by now all of us have done fellow highlights. So if you want to hear a little bit more about who we are and what we do, you can check out those episodes. We'll leave them linked in the show notes. But I want to maybe start by just having us all cover what we've been up to in the past year and how things have changed since our time in the Foundry. Lama, you want to go first? Yeah, um, it's been a really chaotic year, parentheses affectionate, Um I have, I think that when I first started at the Foundry, I had, I was like a fresh college graduate and now I'm like two years out of undergrad. And so it's crazy to see how many things have changed since then. Like I, um, we'll talk about this towards the end of the episode, but I am starting a new job in January. Um, I took the LSAT. (laughs) Uh, I applied to law school. Um, I spoke on like my very first set of panels, not as a moderator, which is really exciting. Um, we published an op-ed, which we'll also talk about later on. Um, and just continuing to sort of build my voice in tech policy. So it's been a very fulfilling year, um, while difficult, um, but fulfilling all the same. And it was really nice collaborating on some of these projects with y'all. And it's also sad to be leaving, but I'm really excited for what's to come. Mary, go for it. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. So I also feel very bittersweet and it's, I'm, I would say I'm a, a bit of denial that we are at the two year mark for our fellowship, uh, cause it just happened unexpectedly. Um, I would say since last year, um, well, updates from me would include that I joined, since we did the recording for last year's episode, I joined Meta's Oversight Board uh, and um, basically working on content moderation at scale and trying to operationalize uh, human rights principles. This has been a year of growth uh, and Definitely a lot of interesting reflections from that work. Uh, also got to speak on the, uh, different panels, uh, got to publish a few blog posts and op-eds. And um, I also was a cohort leader um, at um, a tech ethics and public policy course for practitioners at Stanford, which was also a very fulfilling experience. 
Um, so I would say this year gave me a lot of things to reflect on, which I hope to do over the holiday break. Um, so yeah, and and also the foundry experience definitely is a big part of that. That I'm really excited that we'll get a chance to chat about in this episode. For me, it's been a really wild ride. I mean, the whole two years of my time with the Foundry feels, and I talked about this in our fellow highlight that came out last week, Mary, but I feel like my entire law school experience has really been kind of earmarked by my time with the Foundry. And so it feels like the end of an era in multiple ways and also being about to graduate um, and also quote unquote graduating from the foundry. Um, but it's been, it's been a really transformative year in a lot of ways. Um, this year especially has been personally the hardest year of my life um, from losing my mom almost exactly a year ago, uh, which, which really came out of nowhere and hit me really hard. But also I think it's been a year of gratitude in a sense in that uh, I've been incredibly blessed to have so many fantastic opportunities to engage with this community, this tech policy privacy, cyber, AI community that's growing all over the world um, and that's growing within our little foundry home. And it's been wild. Yeah, I worked for the Electronic Frontier Foundation. I worked for Goodwin over the summer uh, as a summer associate. I moved to Brazil and have been interning here in Brazil for the past few months. And now I'm about to head back to my home in LA and return to USC and finish out my last semester there um, before before life really begins. And I'll be starting at Goodwin next year in 2024 mm-hmm. after I take the New York bar and hopefully, fingers crossed, pass. I'm really grateful for everything that we've been able to accomplish with the Foundry. I'm so grateful for this pod and we'll get into, I guess, a a review of everything that's happened so far in in more depth and kind of how we felt about it as as we were going through and the process. Um, But with that, I think it'd be interesting to start at the beginning of season four. We did an episode zero, which was a little quirky, (laughs) but we had the opportunity to sort of stage a debate, if you will, on some different perspectives on the concept of a TikTok ban, which has definitely been a hot topic this year. So, Lama, Mary, do you want to recap that episode that our pal Joe Catapano did and what's happened since on that subject? Yeah, sure. So, I, I'm not positive how the idea came to be, but I think it was a combination of collaboration on so many different ends. I think the one thing and we'll probably get into this later, that I noticed about our podcast is that it has grown substantially from even when we first started off. Like, I think our inbox maybe is filled with requests every other week, if not every week, from different experts within the policy community asking to be a guest on the show. So I think um, the CEO of Chamber of Progress had emailed us asking to be on the show, and Joe had an idea of staging potentially a debate about whether or not the U.S. will ban TikTok because we were all wondering like this is a really big issue we should probably have our foot in the door somehow how can we come how can we insert ourselves here and so with that we sort of came with this idea of a policy debate um and so we brought in that choice and um Joe was able to sort of get both sides about you know 
What happens if the U.S. does ban TikTok? What happens if it doesn't ban TikTok? What are some of the policy implications? What are some of the societal implications? What are some of the economic factors of that? Um, and I think we were able to get it at a really, really good time because I think we pushed it out um, maybe right as Congress was returning from break. And so we were right up in there in the um, policy discussions and the reception was fantastic. Um, I still use it as a resource um, when people are like, what's going on with this thing? Because I don't really think that people talk, at it, talk about it anymore. Um, and then obviously when the hearing happened in March, we were able to replot that episode again. And so I think that was a really great way for us to sort of center ourselves as people who have value in the, in these spaces um, and have really important things to say, even though we're sort of like quote unquote early career. So I thought that was a really great way to sort of set the stage for the other policy conversations that we had across our season. Yeah, to echo everything Lama said, I would just add that I love the concept of episode zero because I think like the first few months of the year are like the slowest months and it's it's this um, difficult choice between doing too much right away or giving it some time for people to, you know, come back to work and in the swing of things after the holidays. Um, but as we know, tech policy never sleeps. So issues are always there. So I'm glad we jumped on this topic. And um, I think it was also great because it uh, was a debate between people uh, that don't agree. And I think that is something that I would love to see more on um on the podcast, of course, it's more challenging to like schedule and also moderate and also record podcasts that are not with like one guest uh, sharing one side of the perspective. Um, but I think they are more um, interesting and definitely um, more engaging uh, that way. So that is also like probably one of my wishes to. <laughs> Uh, the panel, uh, the team that will work on the podcast uh, in the next year and beyond. I think Mary brings up a really good point where even though we were producing such great content at such a slow period, I think we were still super duper busy in a, what we call a slow period. Obviously, we selected our new fellows um, and sort of executed this idea of a junior fellowship. Um, in terms of like dividing the fellowship into two years, um, which had never been done before. Um, and then obviously having this whole kickoff weekend in line with State of the Net, um, which I think was pretty exciting, especially because um, the Foundry had been 100% virtual for so long that it was hard to develop a sense of real found community. And I think that was a really great way to do that. But Rima, obviously you and I were working really hard to sort of, you know, get this thing together. And I think it was super successful. We had a fantastic weekend. Um, do you want to sort of tell our audience about like the process of selecting um, the junior fellowship and organizing the initiation weekend? Um, and just what were some of your favorite moments throughout the, that process? Yeah, I mean, selecting the new class was super exciting we got a ton of amazing amazing applicants and it was just a really exciting moment to be able to read the stories of so many budding and already existing professionals within the field and sort of what excites them about tech policy the foundry at the end of the day is just a community of nerds <laughs> complete <laughs> nerds who uh, who care exactly who care about this stuff enough to dedicate their time to engaging in this sort of special project in this special community that we call the foundry so that process was just a ton of fun for me and i also love any chance i can get to come together on meetings with this wonderful group of fellows. Our selection committee was, I think, like five or six of us. Um, Mary was also super involved in that. And it was a blast. I can't imagine a group of people that I would be more thrilled about spending 
about six hours on a call with talking about every single person who applied to the foundry after having already done a sort of rigorous uh, rubric process as, as individual selectors, so to speak. Um, so I guess that gives some insight on what the foundry's sort of selection process for new fellows has been. But of course, with every new foundry fellowship class, um, that process could, could change. So we'll see what happens with class five as they start to go through selecting class six and, and that process is sort of kicking off now. Um, but it's definitely a, a really exciting time. And then as far as our actual kickoff weekend, so you're right, Lemma, we've never done that before because we've never had overlap uh, between the foundry classes before, which was actually Mary's brilliant idea that we sort of poured over last year and then to actually see it come to fruition in a very tangible way in bringing together all the new fellows. And we have a smaller class this year. Uh, it was the most competitive foundry class so far in that we only chose 30 people of the 100 plus uh, hundreds who applied. So it was really, really a ton of fun to plan. We did panels with Foundry alumni. We did our White House visit. We did our visit to Congress, to the Hill. Um, and it was just amazing to see where Foundry fellows present and past have ended up and the amazing work that they're doing in this space to really move core issues forward. And so that's a legacy I'm, I'm really proud to be a part of. Um, but the whole event itself was just a ton of fun. Loved going to lunch with all the new Foundry fellows, getting to know them more and putting faces uh, to names that I had seen either in the space or having read their, their applications. So it was just a complete privilege and a total blast. All I can add is the FOMO of not being there. <laughs> um, yes, <laughs> scheduling didn't work uh, in my favor. Um, but I heard a lot of stories from the junior class members. And I think this was such a worthwhile undertaking. And I'm so proud of you and the whole org team for like, coming up with the idea and executing it so brilliantly. Uh, and um, like, I remember Rima and I later chatted that we kind of would have used something like that for our class as well. Um, so hopefully that may turn into like reunions for alumni in the future. But I again hope that if possible, such kickoff weekends uh, become like a standard events for all uh, new classes and also really happy that we went with uh, like this idea of at least trying it out to see if having an overlap makes the process of handover and just you know um, it, if it creates some space for um, people at different stages in, in their career in tech policy overlapping more organically with each other rather than reaching out to alumni when you are a fellow, but the alumni are not that engaged anymore with the foundry. I mean, it depends on alumni, but more people are, are just doing their thing and uh, whether this model would have worked. I think there are a lot of learnings there too, but um, I'm glad that we went for it. And now we have senior, like junior fellows basically will turn into senior fellows and super curious about the next class that will come in hopefully next year. I think a really nice moment during the kickoff weekend was when we had that, um, I think like happy hour slash mixer at the end of that like full day intro session we had with the new class. Cause we had fellows from like class one, class two, class three come. And it was just, I had never seen so many founded fellows in one room 
Um, and people were like, oh, yeah, I know you from this. I know you from that. And I'm just like, oh, my God, it's so nice to put a name to the face. And I and many of the fellows from the other classes were saying, like, thank you so much for doing this. I think it was really nice to like have an excuse to go out and, you know, reconnect um, with some class members because we didn't we didn't have this because if they were if they were in a COVID class or they haven't been able to do it just because like life gets super crazy once you like hit mid to mid or mid career. Um, so I'm hoping that that's something that will continue um, throughout. Um, but I also think another really big highlight of that weekend was us taking uh, over. I would say um, state of the net as our podcast was at a live booth and we spoke to so many phenomenal experts um, and high-level people within the tech policy community. Um, Rima was the real <laughs> the real superwoman at the booth, um, manning everything. But do you want to tell us a little bit about, you know, your experience? The Day of the Net is, I think, a special conference for me. It has a special place in my heart because it actually was the first boundary thing I did back in 2022. I hopped on the plane at LAX and I flew to DC because we had free tickets to save the net as new foundry fellows. And it was my first time ever in DC and I just wanted to see the vibes of a tech policy conference. And it was one of the first conferences being held again in the post-COVID era. So State of the Net 2022 was a special time for me. And so planning ahead for State of the Net 2023 and what the Foundry's engagement would look like with that felt like a big responsibility to sort of get it right and make sure that we did right by this legacy that Joe Jerome and Emery Rohn, who started and, and ran this podcast before, had done in interviewing folks at State of the Net back in like 2017, 2018, 2019, um, whenever that was, <laughs> the before times. And I learned a little bit from their experience. I was lucky to be able to chat with the both of them and sort of pick their brains on how the hell do you live podcast? What are some of the tools that you need and, um, and how did they do it and what were some of the lessons learned? And so as with most things with this podcast, I've been really grateful to not have to completely reinvent the wheel and to learn from existing legacies. Um, but there was also, still innovating and figuring out how to really do this in this way for the first time. So for the first time ever for the pod, we had this actual sort of interactive podcast booth that people could come up to and sort of watch the podcasting happening um, as the, as the conference was going on. And so my audio engineering <laughs> capabilities really had to come roaring back in. Um, I say that in complete jest because I don't have audio engineering capabilities, but I was live sound mixing, which is a lot harder than it looks. And I was really, really grateful for all the support from Tim Lorden and his whole team at the Internet Education Foundation for facilitating that whole process. But we got some incredible guests, some incredible interviews, um, and I was really, really excited by the opportunity to engage in that. It was so funny because there was so much going on. Like We were also smack dab in the middle of our kickoff weekend for the new fellows, so I was <laughs> running around like a chicken with my head cut off, like also helping to manage them and, and their time at Stay of the Net as well. Uh, but it was just a total blast and a total rush, honestly, which is going to make me sound like such a nerd, but that's already been well established. So, I think it's okay for all of us 
that we freaked out that we interviewed Alan Davidson. I think that was a big moment <laughs> to be to be a nerd. <laughs> it was a big moment to be a nerd, and he's genuinely such a a kind and comforting person uh, to be in the presence of, and so it was a total honor and also a joy to be able to sit down with him and, and get a little bit of his time to ask him the big questions about how we're gonna operate the internet <laughs> for the US. So yeah, it was it was a blast. I'm so glad to hear it. Um and this wasn't obviously the only time we took the podcast on the road to a major conference. We also took it to ICANN and we also took it to IPP. Um, so how was your time doing live podcasting there? I know we did IPP together um, and it was really fun being able to talk to so many different kinds of privacy professionals about a varying degree of issues that they cared about and what they took away from the conference because uh, it was definitely an interesting time for privacy. I think everyone was anticipating um, ADPPA and then it didn't happen. Walk, walk. Um, and obviously like row post row. And so it was definitely a really rewarding experience. And we'll probably talk about, you know, our panel as well, but podcasting. <laughs> podcasting. Yeah. I love any chance we get to do those little conference quick takes. We did it during season three and we also did it during this season, not just with the state of the net, more formal setup, but of just going up to people at ICANN and also the WESIS conference, Women in Cybersecurity and IAPP, um, GPS, the Global Privacy Summit as well. I mean, those those moments are always so interesting for me personally because I am such an introvert and I definitely feel way more out of my comfort zone going up to someone in person being like, oh, you want to talk about what you're seeing at this conference or what you've heard that's interesting? That to me is a lot more fear inducing than being able to write an email to someone who I know or someone who's work I've, I've followed for a while and being able to ask them to come on to interview but in person it's definitely a different element so but I have so much fun with those episodes have a lot of fun putting them together and doing the editing process for those and it's I think just such a dynamic way to hear what is actually going on on the ground in some of these spaces where actually a lot of policy ideas are being exchanged, a lot of technical ideas are being exchanged in the case of WESIS and ICANN especially. And to really get a sense of what the vibe is in these spaces where important decisions are actually being made and important connections are transpiring. I mean, I think that's kind of the point of this whole podcast, right, is to con connect the dots a little bit on what are some of the big ideas in tech policy that you need to know. And the best way for me always to learn that sort of thing is by having conversations with the people who are in the room or the people who really want to be in the room. One more thing before we switch gears a little bit, but I think you say make a really good point about interviewing about policy conference, having people who care about this space, but also people who want to have a voice in the space. And I think a really great example is that Trevor Noah was obviously a highlight of IPP this year. And I remember I was telling my friends this and they're like, what does Trevor Noah have to do with privacy? I'm like, you guys don't understand. Privacy is connected to everything. And so I think he did a fantastic job connecting the concept of identity and privacy um, and historical oppression um, to this overall field. And I think sometimes when we get too deep into the technical, we tend to forget about what's real and the impact of that. Um, and so I think that was a really great like grounding experience for me and I'm glad people are trying to get involved in privacy from all walks of life. The three of us, I mean, 
for me, it's always fun whenever the three of us can get together in any capacity. But we got together on the stage at IAPP and had an absolute blast talking about the next generation perspective on privacy issues. So, Mary, do you want to give an overview of what that collaboration sort of looked like and what came of it? That definitely is one of highlights for me for 2023. Um, So we uh, applied for um, a session and really grateful for that opportunity to get to speak at the GPS uh, this um, April. And our session basically focused on um, the next generation's perspective on privacy and various issues of privacy and uh, also privacy at the intersection of other tech policy issues, which we all felt was very important. Um, And I was really surprised how many people showed up to the session and how much engagement we got. We also had like some poll questions um, for people, but also for everyone's awareness, uh, GPS is a, an enormously big conference. And our session uh, was one of the morning sessions on the second day. Um, I think this is a great signal that people are interested in what the next generation, or I would say the present young generation thinks about how things should be um, done, how things can work differently. So we um, covered topics from, um, you know, how privacy affects our lives. How did we get into privacy and all the way to current issues in privacy in the post-real world in like uh, youth mental health and uh, impact of privacy and the intersection between privacy and trust and safety and everything in between. So it was like a very interesting um, session for all of us. Uh, and um, um, we also managed to uh, remember everything we discussed and reflected in our op-ed that we published with Tech Policy Press. Um, very excited about that opportunity as well. Um, and overall, I think GPS was a great experience to get to meet different people and have a space to like reflect on what privacy means right now. But how was the experience for you, uh, Lama? Usually when I'm at IAPP, I have to work a conference, but I think this was the first time where I was actually able to be a participant in it. And um, I think we were maybe the youngest people probably (laughs) in attendance. Um, But I don't think that discouraged people from, engaging with us and talking to us about how we interpret um, particular issues. Uh, I also appreciate that uh, IBP is one of the few conferences based in the U.S. that still has an international focus um, because I know how the EU and how the Global South lead and privacy are very different from the U.S. And so it was really nice to be able to just talk to people from all walks of life um, and the vendors are so fun. I mean, I'm, I'm wearing a sweatshirt from IAPP. Uh, so I had a great time just collecting swag um, and networking and have and meeting some people that have become like really great connections. And so I look forward to the next time that we'll, we'll be there. With that, we went to a lot more in-person stuff this year. There was IAPP. Um, but also a couple of other boundary events. So, Lama, do you want to touch on what our summer in New York looked like? Yay! As I say, every young woman should have a a New York era, and we had a New York era. Um, but that I hope will continue when you move here again. Um, but we had a really exciting summer. Um, I think we pretty much met up. I think maybe like once a month, if not more, um, we did different activities and we also ended up many of them being at the Alticus human mixers. Um, and because we met so many incredible people at 
the mixers, we end up creating a a more general tech policy professionals um, community for young people in New York City. And we did a picnic. Um, a lot of the times after the mixers, we'll all go out to eat, um, sometimes bringing along like more new friends that we had. Uh, and being able to go to those mixers every month transitioned into us sort of developing and fostering a greater relationship with the founder of All Things Human, David Ryan Polgar, who had the opportunity to come onto the show and talk to us about like building a responsible tech community. And, you know, Rima and I ended up interviewing a couple of people at those mixers and they were all like such fantastic and super nice people who are all just committed to creating a better tech future. Um, and evidently Z and I ended up even becoming um, affiliates for the first all tech human cohort. Um, so there's so much exciting stuff happening in New York. Um, Mary, you should come down here and join us. Um, and I'm really excited that even at, even after um, I become an alumni of the foundry, that I will still continue to sort of help build this um, young professionals community in the city because it, we have so many important things to say and everyone's doing so many incredible things. And um, I'm just so happy to be part of it. You may really get that guest appearance from me from the other coast. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I'm glad that um, people get connected and uh, there is space to not only like work together, but also just spend good time together. I think sometimes we forget about like interacting outside of professional circles, part of life. Um, and speaking of people coming together, uh, the Foundry also organized several events this year. Some were in person, some were virtual because we just live in that hybrid world anymore. Um, and of course, one of the highlights for every year is the Foundry Trivia Night. And we managed to organize that this year. Rima, do you want to uh, reflect and share more about the Trivia 2023? Yeah, Trivia was a ton of fun to organize. I mentioned earlier in this conversation, how Save the Net 2022 was a big event for me because it was my first time at Save the Net. It was my first time in DC and it was my first experience with the Foundry. And Trivia Night was held at Save the Net 2022. And I didn't participate because I was just a baby 1L and had no idea what was going on or what any of the questions were. Um, but it was definitely entertaining to watch. So I also knew that coming into 2023 and having the responsibility to figure out trivia with the rest of our eboard team was going to be something that people were putting a lot of expectation on to be good. So <laughs> I really had a blast again just coordinating with the whole eboard team really when we get this group together to plan any sort of event or happening i feel like magic happens it's just always such a fun experience and really even though it's chaotic goes off without a hitch in the end and so we had our quiz master kurt opsal come out from i think he came from RightsCon directly. Uh, but we, we held trivia this year in the summer, in June, and I took the train down from New York uh, to be able to go. And we had really a great turnout. Huge shout out to Bijan Mandani from Meta for helping us out with space. He's a former fellow and just speaks to the power of the Foundry alumni community in making stuff happen for the Foundry's different initiatives. But it was great. We had a ton of fun, raised some money for the Foundry and its different plans going forward. And it was just a great space to connect. And we continued our... Um class four tradition of always ending the night in karaoke because Rima had to take the train back to New York the same night at what, like 3, 4 a.m.? 
Yes. And <laughs> you born, stayed up with her until the end of the night. <laughs> so it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I think yeah. we had like a couple of other, like, uh, other fellows and like friends of the foundry come and it was so, just so much fun. Um, I don't think I, I've ever stayed up that late before and <laughs> like so many firsts whenever you're in DC. <laughs> I stayed forever grateful for you, Ricky and Grant sitting with me in the lobby of, I think it was Ricky's hotel yeah, and chatting about life and about foundry until literally 4am. <laughs> Uh, I stay forever, forever grateful. We also organized a policy hackathon, which this year was postponed to next year. Um, but everybody needs to stay tuned because it's one of the highlights of the Foundry activities. And I personally heard about the Foundry through um, the hackathon in 2020. Um, so it's a lot of fun. Um, but I would say in preparation to or instead of the the policy hackathon itself this year we organized a series of events um, around the uh, various things in AI um, and Lama do you want to do a recap of some of those events? Yeah so obviously the AI hype is still hyping and <laughs> We, we were like, obviously, the, the hackathon has to be AI. And because there's just so much happening and so much information out there, we thought it would be really good instead of to sort of space out um, different AI topics leading up to winter hackathon will probably be sometime next year. Um, so I personally did a um, panel on my favorite topic, AI algorithmic bias. Um, with a variety of different experts from industry, nonprofits, civil society. And we just talked about, you know, um, the current state of affairs, what policy can look like, what actually is AI bias. Cause I think there was a tweet I, some, some few months ago that was like, uh, overnight, everyone, everybody, everyone suddenly became an AI expert. Um, which is just a joke because AI has been around for decades um, and so obviously there are a lot of things within the space that are sort of confuzzled with that aren't necessarily true in my humble opinion. My computer science background is coming out. But I think it was a really great way to sort of talk to the people who have been in this space for decades, um, talking about, you know, their research. Um, some of them had been in AI from the moment that it was being sort of revolutionized um, and why it's hard for policy to keep up with hype. In keeping with our tradition from last season, we basically turned some of those sessions into sort of truncated podcast episodes of some of the highlights from those discussions. So we'll link those in the show notes if you haven't checked them out yet. To wrap us up, I want to run through some quickfire questions to allow us to kind of reflect on our time with the foundry as it basically comes to an end. So I'll start with what have y'all learned? If you had to pick one big standout thing through your time with the foundry. Ooh, um, this is so cringe, but <laughs> kindness goes such a long way and mm-hmm. I know it's really cringe but kindness goes such a long way like I feel I think and I, I say this to my friends who are all in grad school right now but obviously like I graduated in a pandemic and I moved back home I didn't grow up in New Jersey or New York so I was very much making sense of adulthood on my own and I think because I had such a great community of people I was able to enter my young adulthood and my early career era with such a wonderful group of friends that I truly didn't think I would have been able to meet or have developed without the foundry. And I think the incredible people that I have met 
the countless support that I've gotten, like the amount of times Rima and Dylan like sat on my personal statement and edited the hell out of it. Like I cannot thank you all enough. Um, and just, I, that's just, just true friendship. And like, I think there have been several times where Zia would literally text me and be like, girl, we're going to the library and we're studying. Um, and just like the best friendship. And so I think I would have been the process of getting to where I am in my career and sort of entering my adulthood life would have been a lot more challenging if I didn't have y'all. Um, and I still hope we continue to connect and, and be friends and watch each other grow and support one another because it has so been, it has been so instrumental to being where I am today and obviously in getting my new role. And so I'm so excited for the future. Obviously there's a lot to be pessimistic about, but I'm going to choose to be optimistic. That was beautiful. Lama and totally agree with all of that. <laughs> um, I think my learning or maybe a reminder was that anything is possible if you have a group of motivated and hardworking people coming together. And just looking back at to the beginning of our fellowship, it was a bit a bit of a bumpy start, I would say, because we were a bit lost in the beginning, but then like those of us that wanted to do something regardless, we just somehow came together and worked together. And looking back, it's, we have done so much. Um, it's just mind blowing if you think about it, because we all do this as like a side thing. We all have lives. We are very busy with school and work and family life and uh, friends and other world events that impact us on personal level. So, None of that is easy or mandatory, but we signed up for it and basically saw that through. And that is only possible if you are doing it with people that, you know, that people that care and uh, people that are motivated to go on this journey with you. And I'm incredibly grateful to everyone in class four that they, you know, gave the time and effort and energy and great ideas to make a lot of things happen. And um, I don't know, from reviving this podcast to organizing many, many events to connecting so, to so many people with each other and all the other things that I cannot uh, even think of right now, but it's all there. And I think it's just beautiful to see that in action. And it's a good learning slash reminder that people is what matters and in the middle of everything that is happening in the world we just forget that that's the most important thing but like people and community basically better at the end of the day more than anything else yeah i couldn't agree more i feel like mine is kind of a mix of all of that in the sense that community is so essential to actually being able to get the best ideas and the best impact pushed forward. Because, you know, when I look back at what we've been able to do, I mean, every step of the way, this podcast included, it's been such a team effort of, both the operational side of the day-to-day -day and making sure that stuff happens in addition to the crazy fact that this is not our full-time job for any of us. Like we all have day jobs or student life or whatever going on. Uh, but in spite of that, we've been able to really rally together as a community and, and have things work um, and, and make the foundry function on that operational level, but also on the ideas level, being able to learn from each other's experience in such an open and non-hostile and really exploratory environment is a really, really special thing. And that's an environment that I hope to replicate in every sort of collaborative group that I'm working with, because like I said earlier, I think just, some type of magic happens when you get a group of people together that clicks and just really can facilitate 
the best outcomes for whatever it is that you're trying to make happen, whether it's this pod or trivia night or our kickoff weekend or changing the whole structure of the foundry itself. (laughs) So I'm, I'm definitely grateful for that. Last question. What are you guys most excited about going forward and what will you miss the most about the pod and maybe also the foundry? Again, it's been a, it's been a really hard year. Um, obviously, uh, the civil war in Sudan in April made me reflect a lot about um, my life and about things that I want. Um, and like truly the next thing you can wake up and everything in your life has changed. And so I thought a lot about, you know, what is it that I want to do for me? And so I looked for a new job. Um, I'm going to be a tech policy fellow at the NYU Center for Social Media and Politics come January. Um, and that will put me in a capacity to actually, you know, talk to a reporter about different tech policy issues that I care about and like come into DC and actually make, um, and talk with stakeholders about issues that really matter to me, especially, you know, as a woman of color, you know, tech really does impact like me and my respective communities in very unique ways. And so being able to, to serve my community in that regard is something that I am really looking forward to as I elevate myself into a public intellectual. Um, I've also been in the, in the hunt of law school for a very long time. Um, and thank goodness <laughs> I have gone to the other side of it. Um, I, I don't know what the outcome will be, but I know that I did my darnest. And so I'm excited to see what happens there. Um, and I think the thing that I will miss most about the foundry is just, I guess those late nights that we had talking about all different kinds of things. Um, but I'm sure we'll, we'll do it again. when we see each other at events, um, and I will miss just talking to really awesome people, um, on the podcast and really being able to spend an hour just hashing out things that I think about a lot, but don't really know how to understand it but i can understand it more through an expert and just being able to foster a relationship on that regard um like katie harbour premiered her uh merch on our podcast first before putting it live so that was really great um and it's been a awesome conversation starter with different kinds of people like you were like oh my god you run a podcast while doing this this and this and this and it's like yes because i have a great team <laughs> um and so I, I i look forward to future opportunities whatever that might be. I just cannot wait to hear where you go to law school. What I will miss will be the people and like this cadence of meetings and touch points and everything that we have just to understand where we are, what needs to be done and how we're getting there. Because I think it's, we managed to achieve great structure, like build that structure together. And, um, you know, of course we can, stick around but I think we are just handing this over to the next class so it will not be the same at least in my mind um, and uh, what I look forward to is definitely um, staying in touch and just meeting more people and reconnecting in person and maybe we should really think about that alumni in person weekend I will fly anywhere for that one um, <laughs> so no more FOMO for me for three weekends. Um, but yeah, seriously, as I also said in um, my previous uh, answer, is this is all about people and people drive everything. So I think that is what I will miss, but will also look forward to getting more off. That echoes my thoughts exactly. I couldn't agree more that it really is so much about the people and I'm going to miss having our basically weekly zoom calls for different ongoing projects or planning or whatever it is. Uh, But I also can't wait for all the exciting times up ahead and also to see who comes into this foundry family next and what future iterations of this pod, not just next season, which there will be a next season. Um, 
but also in, in hopefully many years. I'm so grateful to the whole community of people, not just our team here at the Foundry, but everyone who's ever come on the show, all of you who are listening now or have ever listened to the show. I mean, it really is just such a joy. Any last things to say before we sign off and I go cry? (laughs) Thanks to class three for accepting my application to the foundry. I didn't think I would be here. Um, I think it has played such a great role in making me a, a junior thought leader in this space. And I'm so excited to um, be part of it and be a mover and shaker with the rest of y'all. Um, these, the, the alumni of this community is absolutely incredible and I'm so honored to be part of it. And I hope I do y'all proud um, to the next class. Have fun. Um, the foundry is what you make of it. And we're all here if you need anything. Yeah, the last words for me would be be kind and be curious and um, don't be afraid to try uh, new things. Uh, and this is going to be a lot of fun. And of course, a lot, a lot of gratitude to everyone, all the alumni and definitely to class four and to both of you ladies for uh, all the challenges we have overcome and all the fun things we tried and did together. I think this is just the beginning, even though it feels like we are saying goodbye, but saying goodbye to the fellowship part, I feel like it's just the beginning of us doing great things in this space. And with that, I guess my final words will be, that's it for the Tech Policy Grind Season 4. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Hello, everybody. This is Joe Catapano again, part of the fourth class of fellows at the Internet Law and Policy Foundry. I guess this is my sign-off message for the Tech Policy Grind. It's been quite a ride over the past two years. Um, it's been an incredible amount of fun working on this thing with my founder colleagues. I got the opportunity to have some really interesting in-depth discussions with leading experts in tech policy. Uh, and I got a chance to reconnect with my radio roots, which was pretty cool. Um, I worked in radio in college, uh, as well as at five radio stations in Hartford, Connecticut, where I lived prior to moving to uh, Washington, D.C., Um, I also interned at the Washington desk at National Public Radio in graduate school. So this kind of format is something I really enjoy and that I'm very comfortable with. Um, I remember when I was at NPR, I worked on a podcast called It's All Politics, which was the precursor to today's NPR Politics podcast, which which is is pretty successful now. Um, A few of the highlights for me at Tech Policy Grind were certainly the live event that Rima and I hosted in DC with the internet pioneers, Vince Cerf and Steve Crocker. Um, Those are two gentlemen that I've worked with for quite some time and have a lot of respect for. And it was wonderful getting to spend so much time with them and bring people back together in person after uh, years of the foundry doing virtual events, you know, kind of strictly there during COVID. I also interviewed policy experts on how the issue of TikTok should be handled in the U S that allowed me to branch out into subject matter that I don't typically deal with on a day in and day out basis. Um, internet governance is kind of my bread and butter. And I had the pleasure of interviewing the ICANN, uh, Interim President and CEO Sally Costerton, the head of my organization. Um, she is an incredibly gifted communicator and team leader, and in addition to just being an all-around good person. Um, and it was wonderful getting to sit down with her for an hour and talk about our work and the internet's future. Um, it's impossible to capture everything I've done with Tech Policy Ground in just a few short minutes, um, but it's been a very special experience, uh, as has my time at the Foundry in general. Uh, I've had the opportunity to meet incredibly bright people that work in our space, and I'm looking forward to staying in touch with them after our term ends. Um, I got the opportunity to expand my horizons in tech policy, and that really is uh, kind of the beauty of the foundry is being able to uh, 
the fellow for the fellows to kind of make it their own. Um, I want to especially thank Rima for producing this thing. Uh, without her, the tech policy grind wouldn't be what it is. Um, I also want to thank Tim Lorden and the Internet Education Foundation for hosting the Foundry um, and giving young professionals in tech policy a forum to show off their skills. Um, I wish all the best of luck to Class 5. I know the pod is in great hands um, and they're going to do great things uh, with it. Uh, and I'll be listening. Thanks. Hi. My name is Rebecca Kilberg, and I hosted the episodes Human Memory and Digital Preservation with Stephen Abrams and Perils of Prescriptive Policy, a Technologist's View with Jeremy Abnett. It's been a pleasure to work with the Class 4 Fellows over the last two years. I've learned so much and deeply appreciate all the hard work it took to create such a quality production. I'm looking forward to hearing what the next season of the Tech Policy Grind brings. So long for now. Hey, Evan. Hey, Danny, how are you? Good. How's it going? Um, it's going pretty good. I'm really excited for what's coming up in the podcast. But what exactly are we we here to talk about today? So we decided that we're going to take... Oh, no. We were doing so well. We lost Danny for a second there. <laughs> we're okay. still recording. Okay, great. Uh, it's good. It's good for us to have these experiences as we warm up before taking on season five. So we both have introduced ourselves on the show before, but I think it's good to just reintroduce ourselves really quickly for anybody who might've missed that episode. I'm Evan. Until very recently, I was the national projects manager at a nonprofit called the Surveillance Technology Oversight Project, or STOP. Things were just getting far too hectic in my life, and I'm excited to have a little break. But I'm still here. I'm going to be producing the show with Danny. Um, as well as doing a little bit of, of freelance work in the spare time. I don't think I've gone on t- into this on the show before, but before going into law and policy, I worked in music and event production, and my undergraduate degree was in recording arts. So I was a fan of the podcast before I joined the Foundry, and I thought it was going to be, I thought this would be a great opportunity to sort of put those skills to use, combine it with tech policy in a way that I had never imagined I'd be able to, and help put on a, a program that, that I'd been listening to for a while before I even signed up to be a fellow. I love that story about your background. And I'm also a big fan of music. I was in a band for a couple of years and did... What's your SoundCloud? What's my SoundCloud? Yeah. Um, no, we won't promote it on this podcast. But I, I also love music and love anything that has to do with creative expression. So... I've been lucky to be a part of a couple of podcasts in my career. I started off as a journalist and have covered a variety of different beats from financial crime to economics and policy in Latin America, corporate finance. And I shifted gears after going to grad school for international affairs in 2022, I was working for a nonprofit that supported refugees by uh, mobilizing large businesses to support them and hire them. And in that role, I was doing research and partnerships and learned a lot about the companies that were, that were supporting refugees. And one of those companies was Airbnb. I have been using Airbnb for years. I love the product. And so when I saw a role open up on the community policy team to do research and partnerships, I thought, wow, this is a great fit, even though my career has been a winding road. And there's been so many different experiences along the way from being a foreign correspondent to working communications to social impact Um, I feel like it really integrated all of those experiences. And that's why I joined the Foundry in 2023, because I really wanted to learn more about tech policy now that I was joining the tech industry and, and working on these policy issues. And it's been an incredible experience to meet people that are working not just in trust and safety like me, but who work in privacy and in intellectual property law and um, in advocacy for, for, for tech and civil liberties. So 
Yeah, Evan, I'm, I'm super excited to take on this project with you next year. Um, what are some of the things that you are most looking forward to in season five and any, any changes that are in store that our listeners should know about? I think we should say that we've both been working on the podcast for the last year already. So I think that, you know, stylistically from episode to episode, I think it's going to look pretty similar. Um, but we do have some big changes coming. One thing that I'm very excited about is we're planning to lean on our fellow fellows um, much more heavily this um, upcoming season than we did in the past. Um, we're hoping to have a rotating cast of correspondents that uh, we've recently started calling our newsroom, and which is a name I love. Um, and they're all going to have their own beats. So somebody will be covering privacy. Somebody will be covering cybersecurity. Somebody will be doing some special features on things like mindfulness or funding, um, things like that, that you don't see very often in other podcast spaces. At least that's the plan. Yeah. I'm super excited for our newsroom as well. And I think it's great that we'll have a variety of beats, just like, you know, in other seasons of the tech policy grind, it's been mm -hmm. a pretty wide range of subjects. And I'm excited to aim high, you know, with this new season. One thing I guess that would be good to to announce now is that we are not going to be doing weekly episodes in season five. We're actually going to do an episode every other week. And that's not just because, you know, Evan and I are, are busy. No, uh, it's, it's, it's actually because we thought about the cadence of putting out an episode and then the next week, using that week to promote the episode and really engage on social media and start a conversation about the topics. I already have some some episodes I'm I'm already thinking of to that I want to record. So I'm I'm very excited for for next year. Well, I guess I will see you in 2024. Danny, I'll, I'll see you then. I'm definitely not just going to stop the recording and then talk to you immediately after this. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Tech Policy Grind. If you enjoyed the show, get in touch with us at Foundry Podcasts with an S at ilpfoundry.us or leave us a review wherever you're tuning in. I'm Rima Musa, the host of the show. And this podcast wouldn't be possible without the help of our team at the Internet Law and Policy Foundry. Thank you to Evan Enzer for editing this episode, Lama Muhammad, our social coordinator, Alison McReynolds, our accessibility coordinator, and Tim Lorden at the Internet Education Foundation. See you next time.